the name that Jeremiah had, being the weeping prophet, was as a result of the condition of the nation of Judah. What was the problem with Judah? The problem with Judah was they were living in complete and open rebellion against God. If God said to do this, they did the opposite. God said to go this direction, they went the opposite. I'm just painting a picture of rebellion. And of course, we, I think we know and understand what rebellion is and what it means. And that's what they were living. This type of living brought about a great brokenness to Jeremiah. In this time of Jeremiah 18, a man by the name of Jehoiakim is the king of Judah. Now, the author, you probably know, or maybe not, but if you're new to church or new to God's word, that's fine. The author of this book is Jeremiah himself. He is the penman, the human penman. Now, of course, God's word is a divine book. It's the only book like it. There is no book like it. It is alive. It's current. By the way, the Bible is current news. You can't find any book quite like it because it's current news every year. And so in, in Jeremiah's day, though, a lot was happening and a lot of rebellion and a lot of a sin was happening. Jeremiah is a major prophet. There are four major prophets in the Bible, and that's only because they were a bigger book that they were called uh, a major prophet. Now think about it. In this day, in Jeremiah's day, they did not have a written copy of the entire Bible like you have in your lap right now, or like maybe you have on your phone, uh, wherever you're looking at the Bible. Yep, go right ahead. Go right ahead. Grab those. Yep, take them. Yep, good. That's all right. Yep, nothing to see here. Nothing to see. <laughs> uh, you guys think you can come in behind me, huh? Yeah. I got eyes in the back of my head, all right? Four eyes right here and two eyes back. In Jeremiah's day, they did not have a written copy of the Bible. I want you to notice something with me. Notice in verse number 1 of chapter 18. I'm going to read it for you again. The word which came to Jeremiah, and would you read the next three words, starting with the word from. Would you read those with me? From the Lord. Stop right there. Then came the word to Jeremiah. What are those three words? From the Lord. He did not have a Bible like I have today. 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament, 66 books, all divinely inspired. He didn't have a Bible like I have today. And so it was a completely different revelation, if you will, in that day. And so how did the prophet know what he was to preach? And how did the prophet know what he was supposed to say to the people? Well, in verse number one, it tells us he got a message where from the Lord. And the message that Jeremiah has in Jeremiah 18, it's applicable not just to the time in which it was given, but I believe that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. In other words, Jeremiah 18 was a message from the Lord to Jeremiah, to Judah, but today, 2,000 plus years later, we sit here under a tent in a motorcycle shop parking lot, and the message that God gave to Jeremiah is also for us today. And I want you to know something. This is not the message from the pastor. I happen to be just the voice delivering it. By the way, it's not even Jeremiah's message. Where did Jeremiah get the message? From the Lord. From the Lord. And so this is how it happened there. This is how it happens today. God spoke the word to the prophet. Who's the prophet in this story? Jeremiah. God spoke the word to the prophet. And then what happened? The prophet gave the message to the people. Simple, right? That's exactly what happened. And here today, you have a Bible. I have a Bible right here. This is the Word from God. This is God's Word. And so what are we doing? We're doing exactly what Jeremiah did over 2,000 years ago. We're taking the Word of the Lord, and we're saying, here's what God says. 
We're not saying today, and this is for 21 years, we've not said this is what the Baptists say. Now, you're in a Baptist church. Don't get nervous, okay? It's not about being Baptist. It's about being Bible. It's not what Pastor Turner says. And what Pastor Turner says, we've prayed, would always be what God says, and you've got to pray for me. So it's not the word of the Baptist. It's not the word of the, the pastor. It's the word of the Lord. And so that's what we're looking at today, the word of the Lord. The way that this process took place 2,000 plus years later is a simple process that we need to get back to today. I need to be a husband that learns how to be a husband from the word of the Lord. I need to be a father that learns how to be a father from the word of the Lord. I need to be a friend that is a friend based on the word of the Lord. It's not what man tells me to do. It's what does God's word tell me to do. That's what's happening here in Jeremiah 18. My opinion doesn't matter in comparison to the word of God. Now, our opinions have merit and have weight, but they're not in comparison to the scripture, to the word of God. What truly matters and always does matter is what does God's word say? Now, notice, in, if you will, in verse number two, there was something God wanted to tell all the people First, excuse me, tell Jeremiah, and there was a specific place. If you have your Bible, look at verse number two. Arise, go down to the potter's house. Why couldn't God, why couldn't God have told Jeremiah wherever he was? Because that's not what God wanted to do. Don't, I think God may know uh, a little bit better about things than I know about it, than you know about it, than Jeremiah knows about it. And I don't understand the ways of God. Even it tells us my thoughts are not his thoughts and his ways are not my ways. But God wanted Jeremiah to go somewhere because that's where he was going to speak to him. And where was it? It was the potter's house. Notice, if you will, after that, it says, and there, and there. You know, when we read the Bible, um, I think we need to read it carefully. We need to read it slowly. The other day I was reading kept just reading and reading and reading these six verses i knew i was going to be preaching from them and i just kept reading them slowly writing them out even and trying to grasp every little word and that word there really jumped off the page i don't know maybe the 50th time through it there there where is there in this case specifically it was the potter's house but again, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's not just for Jeremiah. I, I began to think about it. Okay, what is, where is there for me? Where is there for you? We believe that God has ordained the church. We believe that God started the church. This was not my idea, the church. No, the, the church is founded by the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our, he is our great shepherd. He is our great high priest. Uh, he, is our, uh, he is our leader. But one place, it's not the only place, but one place that God wants us to be every, every week, as many times as we can, is there, and that is there is where the, where the word of God is preached. And again, this is not a perfect church. We have a lot of visitors here today, and even more continue to come in and praise the Lord for that. I just want you to know, we are not a perfect church. But we have tried for 21 years to make sure that this there is preaching the truth. The truth of the word of God. So he said, Jeremiah, I want you to go there. And notice what he said. I will cause thee to hear my words. There was something that Jeremiah needed to hear. There was something that Jeremiah needed to experience. God said, I'm going to let you know what I, my message is when you get where I want you to be. And I wonder, where is God trying to bring you to today? Where is God trying to bring me? Where is God trying to take us to today? And why? Why is he trying to take us there? I believe that he has a message for us. I believe that he has a word for us. I believe that he has truth for us. I believe he has peace for us. Boy, the world needs peace, doesn't it? I believe he has hope. This book is full of hope. This book is full of the love of God and the message of God today. And so he says to Jeremiah, he says, I want you to get there because when, I want you, when, I, when you get there, I've got a message for you. 
God gives Jeremiah a message. There's something God wants to tell you, everyone, tell you and tell me today. God knew you would be here today. We believe in a sovereign God. Now, we have a free will. We believe God gave, gave us a free will to choose. That, that, that will that we have can choose to follow God or reject God. It's your choice. We also believe in a sovereign God. Meaning God knows everything you will choose. Ooh, that's kind of, that's kind of heavy, isn't it? Yeah. But God knew we would be here this way. God knew June 3rd, 2001, when Anchor Baptist Church started, our very first service, God knew we'd be meeting outside for anniversary number 20 and anniversary number 21. God knew that. We have a loving, sovereign God. And I want, you to, I want you to know God has a message for you today. God has a message for you today. If you're joining us on the live stream, God has a message for you today. God has a message if you're depressed today. God has a message for you. If you're defeated, if you want to just give up, if you're discouraged, if you feel like there's no hope, God has a message for you. As Jeremiah was told, he said, Jeremiah, I need you to get there because when you get there, I have a message for you. Sometimes we don't like there. Are you with me? You understand what I'm saying? We don't like there. I don't know what there means to you, but I know what it can mean to me at some times. We don't like there, but when God gets us there, then he's got our attention. And when he gets our attention, we can understand the message that God has for us when we get there. Jeremiah, you've got to get there. Where's there? You've got to get to the potter's house. Why? Why can't you tell me right now? Did it say that in the Bible? No, but just use your imagination. I think we're like Jeremiah sometimes. I've got to get you someplace. No, why can't you tell me right now? I, I have a plan for you. Why can't you tell me right now? I can't tell you the plan until you get there. Well, you're here today. So I can confidently say this. You're there. You're there is right here for now. When this year started, some of you probably had no idea you would be here on this day. I didn't know I'd be here on this day. Only God knew, right? So he has a message for us today. He has a message for all of us. God gives Jeremiah an illustrative truth. The illustration that God gives Jeremiah is of a potter working with clay. How many of you have ever worked with clay before? Anybody ever worked with clay? Oh, oh, wow, okay, good, good. We've got some clay people here today. Okay, how many of you know what pottery is, at least? That would be me. I know what it is, never worked with it, okay? <laughs> pottery, all right. So that's the illustration that he's, he's giving him. In this Bible story, God is the potter. God is the potter. The clay is the nation of Judah. Now, we're not in Jeremiah's day, so the clay for us today is us. We are the clay. That's the picture. It is the plan of God to take the clay of my life and take the clay of your life and to make it into something that is useful and something that is productive. We find in reading our text today, we'll get to it in a minute, that more in a minute, God is patient, God is kind, God is loving, God is merciful, God is holy. You say, where do you see that in the clay? Where do you see that? Notice, if you will, and verse number four, the Bible says, and the vessel that he made of clay was, what's that word, church, after it? Marred. What does this word marred mean? It means that it had imperfections. It means that it had deficiencies. It means that it had something about it uh, that just didn't look right. Can I say to you this morning with all the, the compassion and love 
Everybody here, including the one speaking right now, is marred. We are marred. We are not a finished product, number one. And number two, we are a very faulty product. I'm guilty. You're guilty. We were born in it. The Bible says in Romans 5, 12, Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You know, we, 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 didn't, we had no choice in the matter, we might say, but yes, we do, because we're not only sinners by birth, we're also sinners by choice. We are marred. Notice what you do not see in verse 4. Here's what you do not see, that the potter takes the marred clay and throws it away. Do you see that in there? I don't see that in there. The Bible says in verse number 4, that the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel. He doesn't take the clay, he doesn't take the, the, the marred clay and just toss it to the side and just say, there's no value in this marred clay. Uh, there's no worth in this marred clay. We're just going to throw it away. No. That's not what he does. He takes that clay that is marred and he makes it again another vessel another vessel that is my reasoning for saying we have a patient kind loving merciful holy God I don't know what your picture of God is but that's mine I'm not trying to convince you of that I'm just trying to tell you that that's my that's my view of God each one of those descriptive words. He is also righteous and he is also just as well. Now Judah had to make a decision. Will Judah yield to the potter or will Judah stay the same way? That's where we find ourselves this morning. Now, this is obvious, but sometimes the obvious things are helpful to me. In order for a potter to do anything to the clay, he must use something that God has given him. And these somethings, you have also been given by God. They're called hands. There's no way the potter can look at the clay and 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 find something wrong with the clay, have his hands in his pocket and look at the clay and find, oh, I, I need to fix that. And without getting his hands out of his pocket and getting his hands on the clay, he can't make any changes. He can't make any improvements. It's impossible. What is the application of our life today, for our life today? Well, go down with me to verse number 6. And again, we find our theme for this message from verse number 6. And it says, Behold, as the clay, halfway through the verse, Behold, as the clay is in the potter's what? Hand. Remember, it's a visual illustration. It's a visual illustration. Jeremiah, I want you to go there. There is the potter's house. And when you get to the potter's house, I'm going to tell you my word when you get there. Jeremiah is now at the potter's house. He's now there. He's now where God wants him to be. And he begins to, to give him the message, not just for Jeremiah, but for the nation of Judah. And he, and he begins to tell him about the potter. And he begins to tell him about the clay. And he's going through that. And there's a whole lot more we won't be able to cover today for time. But because it just really captivated me that he said, as the clay, so just like you see, the potter has the clay in his hand. Just like you see that. Jeremiah, he says, I want you to know that I have you in my hand too. I have you in my hand just like the clay. Verse number six. So are ye in mine hand. Now, this, this text of Scripture is thousands of years old. In the last several thousand years, we, could, we, could, we don't have to go back that far, though, do we? But a lot has changed. 
God has not changed. God has not changed. So much about your life. Let's bring it into our lives. By the way, I'm very grateful for this artistic work here that just blew up to remind me to say something that Gloria did a great job coloring our official poster for today. And I will be saving that. So please, if you take this down, please take it down carefully. I need to save it. Let's bring it into our lives now, though. We're not in Jeremiah's day. We're not part of Judah. But if all Scripture is profitable for us, and it is, then we can also look at this text and we can say, okay, am I in God's hand? Do I find myself in God's hand? So much about our lives have changed in recent years. Our God has not changed. Many people have walked away from God and even God's church. God has not changed. Politicians continue to make promises that seem to only benefit themselves. Not all of them, of course, but God has not changed. The economy, we might say, has been turned upside down. But God has not changed. We are, we are living in a day, unfortunately, in a rapid way that right is now wrong and wrong is now right. But God has not changed. He will always be the potter. Always. Always, always. It doesn't matter what happens in society, God will be the potter. It doesn't matter what happens uh, in our country, and we need to pray for our country of Canada. We need to pray for our prime minister. I pray for him every day. And you should too. We need to pray for our premier, John Horgan. Every day we need to pray for these leaders. And there's many other leaders we need to pray for. But it doesn't matter who the leader of the country is or the province is or whoever the world leaders are. God is the potter. No man can change that. It doesn't matter how powerful a man thinks he is. He's not the potter. It doesn't matter how knowledgeable someone is. They're not the potter. It doesn't matter if someone doesn't think there is a potter. God is the potter. For I am the Lord thy God. He said, I change not. We are always going to be the clay. Always. Always. Again, it doesn't matter if you've got lots of money or very little money. You're the clay. It doesn't matter if you've got a, a, a very influential job or, uh, you know, I, I don't even know. I want to say, I'm going to say it, but please, if, if you're visiting today, you, you don't know my heart. But, or if you're just sweeping up stuff. Now, that's significant, but... You know, in our, in our human minds, sweeping up stuff compared to, you know, uh, maybe running some company, we might say they, they, don't, they don't add up. So the point is this. It doesn't matter what uh, job you or I have or used to have. We are always going to be the clay. God is always going to be the potter, and we are always going to be the clay. Would you hold your finger in Jeremiah 18, and would you go all the way to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 2. Thank you for listening. I'm, I'm thankful that you're listening, not to me, but you're listening, I pray, to the Lord. But I do appreciate your attention. It, it's just honoring to, to the Lord, and you may not be a Christian today, and that's fine. We're glad that you're here. And we're just, we're, we're giving a message from the Word of God today. Maybe you are a Christian. I'm glad you're here. This is a, this is a meeting for everyone. The message is not just from the pastor, it's from the potter. And the message is for the clay. That's you and me. Notice what God said in Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 7. Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 7. And the Lord God formed man of the what? Dust. Dirt. Clay. 
and breathe into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Notice that word formed. And God formed man. God formed man. It means to fashion or frame. Now, I don't know. I know that God spoke everything into existence. If you read the book of Genesis, you can find that for yourself. And I know God, after he created Adam, I know God, it says, put Adam to sleep and took one of his ribs out. So, so that would speak of God using his hands and making woman from man. I think we could also say by the word formed in verse 7 that somehow, some way, God took his powerful almighty hand down and he picked up some dirt and he formed it to fashion, to form it. That's what the word means. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Man became, notice that word, living. That's very important. It's what separates us from all of God's creation. Living soul. Living soul. That means that when you die and I die, that's not the end. Because you have a living soul. Well, I'm just going to live however I want. I'm going to go... 100 miles an hour through life, and when I die, I die. That's going to be it. No, that's not going to be it. You have a living soul. I have a living soul. So I believe that in some way, God would have formed Adam with his hands. He used the most basic element, the dust of the ground. There's nothing spectacular in what man was made out of. Only in the way that man was organized by God. Psalm 103, verse 14. Let's go back to Psalm. The introduction to the message is really the message. This is still the introduction. The, the message is very short. Just hang tight. Psalm 103. Psalm 103. Verse number 14. Anchor Baptist, let's be praying, okay? be praying psalm 103 14 for he knoweth our frame he remembereth that we are what dust he remembereth that we are dust i believe we could also say clay we are the clay God is the potter. We are the clay. As Judah was in the hands of God in Jeremiah 18, it is of the utmost importance that we today, June 12, 2022, that we find ourselves in the hands of God. Because He is the potter. I mentioned earlier that we had, the, we had the very first service of Anchor Baptist Church 21 years ago, June 3rd. We have been allowed to meet in many places all over, mainly Burnaby, some in New Westminster. We've had over 3,500 church services in that, during that time. All to the glory of God. And, and, and what are we? Just clay. Bunch of clay. But this church is the pillar and ground of the truth. It's in the hands of God. All of the blessings in 21 years, all of the difficulties would have accomplished absolutely nothing. Unless we were in the hands of God. God is the potter. Now we believe God is the creator. 
as we just read a moment ago. God is the potter, where we've already discussed that. But God desires to be more than our creator. God desires to be more than a potter. He desires to be our father, our heavenly father. Isaiah 64, verse 8, it says, But now, O Lord, thou art our father, we are the clay, and thou our potter. And we all are the work of thy hands. I'm thankful this morning to tell you that God takes any and all kinds of clay. We have sitting in this audience and joining us online, we have all kinds of clay. We have all different colors of clay represented here today, which represents numerous nationalities and numerous languages. God takes all shapes, kinds, colors. It matters not how your clay looks, and I'm not talking about your now about your appearance, but the clay of your life, the clay of my life, God doesn't reject any of it. Remember when he saw in his hand in verse number four that it was marred. He made it again. He worked on it again. He worked on it again. He didn't throw it away. Hmm. So the money that you make or I make doesn't really matter in this sense. My past, Pastor Ben, you don't know about my past. Honestly, it doesn't really matter. Now, it matters. I'm not saying, you know, you just throw it all away. But, it, 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 what, you know, a lot of times we, we, the enemy likes to bring up our past and and he likes to discourage us about the past. He likes to discourage us about this and that and the other thing. You know, the greatest thing you can do to the enemy in that case is just remind him of his future. Satan is bound for the lake of fire. The book of Revelation tells us that. So my past is not necessarily something that should discourage me to the point of allowing the potter to make something of my life. It matters not how many times you've failed. How many times I failed. I lost count. How about you? God is the potter. I'm the clay. Quickly, I'd like to just show you things. This is to bring it to a close. So what, what does this mean? Turn to John, please. John 10. John 10. So are ye in mine hands. Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I've got a message for you. The message is, oh, wait a minute. Go there and I'll tell you the message. Okay. Uh, Jeremiah gets to the potter's house. He says, okay, now I've got a message for you. Here's the message. You see that potter over there? That potter over there, he's, he's got a clump of clay. He's got a bunch of clay in his hand. And you notice that clay is marred. But notice he's keeping the clay in his hand because he's got a plan for that clay. Okay. Jeremiah, I want you to know something. So are ye in my hands. John chapter 10. Verse 28. What is the benefit of being in God's hands? Pastor Ben, this world's a mess. You're saying if I, I get in God's hands, everything about my life is going to just all of a sudden be great and wonderful? 
Well, I don't know what your definition of great and wonderful is. Probably, I probably have an idea of what, it, what you might mean by that. So I would have to say, no, everything just doesn't become great and wonderful. Why do we always have to focus on what's happening now and not understand what God has planned for us? What is the benefit? Why is it so important to be in the hands of God? John chapter 10, verse 28. And I give unto them eternal life. Remember, we have a living soul. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Now, in John 3, 16, you, you may have heard of that verse before. In John 3, 16... It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Same word as in John 10, 28. The perishing there has to do with an eternal perishing, an eternal death. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, which is the opposite of life is perishing. You can see that there. Notice what he says. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Neither shall any man pluck them out of my, what, church? Hand. So are ye in my hand. John says here, Jesus says here in John's gospel, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Verse 27, verse 28, And I give unto them eternal life. I give unto them eternal life. Again, that living soul that you have, that living soul that I have is going to, is going to, the body is going to perish. And then where is the soul headed? Jesus says here, I will give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish. And then he kind of gives a PS. Or to give it a little more weight, he says in verse number 28. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Then he takes it a step further. Look at verse 29. My father which gave them me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's what? Hand. So are ye in my hands. I come to you this morning, this afternoon, and I say, why is it so important to be in the hands of God? Because if you're not in the hands of God, according to the word of God, you do not have eternal life. You say, but I, I got sprinkled when I was a baby. That's not what it says. How do you get eternal life? I got baptized, you know, underwater, you know, three times. I'm just exaggerating there. You only need it once, but even once doesn't save you. Why do we need to be in the hands of God? The very, the greatest reason that I need to be in the hands of God isn't so that I can have money. It isn't so that I can have no pain on this earth. It isn't so I can be free of, of, uh, of difficulty. It's so that in, in eternity, for eternity, I will be in heaven in the presence of God. So are ye in my hands, and so I ask you today, are you in the hands of God? Why do we need to be in the hands of God? We need to be in the hands of God, number one, for redemption. Redemption. What is redemption? That's exactly what it means. It means to be redeemed, to be bought back, to be, to be so your sins are paid for. I'm thankful today for the, the, the message of the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that Jesus said in John 14. If you'll turn over a few pages to John 14, why is it so important that we're in the hands of God? Number one, for redemption. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'll quote it. You might want to read it there in your Bible. Jesus saith unto him, them, I am the way. The truth and the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. This is the message of Jesus, not the message of Pastor Turner. You need to be in the hand of God, number one, for redemption. Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only hope. We're looking for help and hope in the wrong places 
many times. Maybe you're not, but I know many people are. Where do we need to look? The hand of God. That's where hope is found. God has his hands, if you will. And then if you could picture Jesus' hands inside of his hands. I mean, you talk about security. And that's another reason to be in the hands of God, by the way. But number one, redemption. Number two, turn to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to die? Hmm. Yeah. I can tell you this, you don't want to die and not be in the hands of God. That's not my message, that's God's message. How do we get in the hands of God? We get in the hands of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Why do I want to be in the hands of God? Number one, redemption. Number two, look at Psalm 37, 7. Rest in the Lord. Rest. And I just got to get some rest. You ever said that? See, I'm talking about physical rest. I'm tired. I just need to get some rest. You know, the psalmist says, spiritually speaking, where do we find rest? In the hands of the Lord. Rest in the hands of the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Now, maybe you're a very patient person. Maybe you're very impatient. I don't know what you would say about yourself. Maybe I would have to ask somebody else that knows you. And they would tell me what you are. And, and you could ask, you know, the family that you saw. And I don't know what they'd say. I think I know what they'd say about me. I'm not very patient. That's bad. i got to be more patient. Let's go, let's go, let's go. That's not what it says here. <laughs> I'm not going to rest and live like that. Wait patiently on the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Boy, we might look around today and say, wow, wickedness, wickedness, wickedness. It just keeps going and going and going. And we can start fretting and worrying and, and, and getting all uh, maybe worked up over that. And the psalmist says, no, no, if you're in the hand of God, if you are a born-again believer, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, you are redeemed. You're in the hand of the Lord Jesus. You're in the hand of God. You're secure there. Then you need to rest in him. Rest. Notice what he says there in verse 7. Wait patiently for him. Wait patiently for the Lord. Why do I need to be in the hands of God? I need to be in the hands of God for redemption. If you're here this afternoon and you don't know Christ as Savior, oh, today could be the day you can turn from unbelief to belief and you can accept Jesus Christ as Savior and you can enter the loving, merciful hands of God. For all eternity, you will in no wise be cast out. Not only that, though, number two, you are entering the hands of someone who says, you can rest in me. All you have to do is listen to the news for a minute and you're not going to be resting anymore. Same for me. But when I open up this book and I read the goodness and mercy and grace of God and open up this book and I read about how he takes care of me and he provides for me and he's my shepherd and I rest in the Lord. Boy, in the hand of God, there's rest. One more. Turn to Philippians chapter 1. Thank you for your attention. One more. That's the famous sign of don't get too happy. It's not quite done yet. <laughs> but it's, it's right there. Oh, so are ye in my hands. 
Philippians chapter 1, verse number 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Why do we need to be in that? Why, why do we need to be in the hand of God? Number one, for redemption. If you're not saved, if you're not on your way to heaven, you can turn to Jesus today. You can be redeemed. You can be saved. Romans 10.13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why, why do we need to be in the hand of God? Number two, for rest. We won't find rest outside of the hand of God. Thirdly and lastly, why do we need to be in the hand of God? For readiness. For readiness. What do you mean, Pastor Ben? God is working. God is working when we're in his hand. Clay, clay cannot mold itself. If you've worked with clay and one day you walked in and, and the clay was a big blob and you thought, well, I'll get to it the next day. And then you walked in the next day and there was a beautiful vase. Whoa. What? That never happens, right? Clay doesn't make itself ready. It needs some hands. In this case, your clay and my clay needs the hands of God God is not interested in just in the sense saving you or saving me he wants us to get ready for something not just for heaven he wants us to get ready for something here he has a purpose for your life I many of you I just met you today I don't know your background I don't know where you were born I don't know anything about you and you don't know much about me either but the point is this you have value you have value your lump of clay it might be 70 years old it might be 50 years old it might be 13 years old we got a 13 year old a new 13 year old today it might be oh 90 some years old it doesn't matter it might have gray hair black hair brown hair or no hair don't point at anybody okay uh whatever your clay is we have all kinds of clay here it has value It has value when it's in the hand of the potter. All those beautiful things that are displayed in museums around the world. I'm not into that kind of stuff. If you are, God bless you. Have a great time with it. That's not for me. But anyway, they weren't always the beautiful whatever. At one time, they were a clump of clay. But the potter saw something in the clay. Hey, listen. The potter saw something in the clay. He didn't see the clay. He saw the vase. He saw the pitcher. He saw the finished product. Today, you only see my, my clay. You don't know what God's trying to do for me for eternity and, and, or for, for this life and, and me for you. But, but God sees us completely differently. He sees us with his plan in mind. Here's the thing, though. We have to yield to the potter. If you read on in Jeremiah 18 later on, for time's sake, we can't go to it. But he talks about, does the clay say to the potter, don't do that. <laughs> the clay doesn't talk back to the potter. The clay just lets the potter do his work. That's why I want to be in the hands of God. Because I believe God is getting me ready for something. I believe all of you today... Again, there's an order. There's an order there. You can't be getting ready for something until you're in the hands of God first. 
You've got to know Christ as your Savior. I'm not saying you have to. I'm not saying you, you have to do it today or whatever. It's your choice. You have a decision to make. But you have to yield to the potter and say, yes, I want to be in the hand of God. I believe Jesus Christ, the Son of God, born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life, died on an old rugged cross to save a piece of clay like me. I'm turning to Christ today. You can make that decision today. Thus beginning a great process of readiness. Thus beginning a great process of rest. Why do we want to be in the hands of God? Redemption. Heaven, our eternal home. In the meantime, being in the hands of God means every day, rest. And in the meantime, every day, getting us ready. He who began a good work in you will perform it under the day of Jesus Christ. I'm going to read something and we're going to be done. Romans chapter 9. I'm just going to read it quickly. Romans chapter 9, verse 20. Nay, but O man, who art thou that repliest against God? against God we, we have so many people today that hey that's between them and God I'm not going to say any more than that but how dare anybody reply against God shall the thing formed say to him that formed it why hast thou made me thus hath not the potter 921 power over the clay the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor what if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? And that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory, even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. Hath not the potter power over the clay? Jeremiah. I have a message for you. Jeremiah, I'm going to give you a message, but I need you to go to the potter's house first. And there I will tell you the message. You came here today. Somebody invited you. Somebody gave you an invitation. Uh, somebody is your friend. They brought you. You found the information on the internet somewhere. Various reasons. But today, God brought you to your there. And it's not about Anchor Baptist Church, by the way. Your there is about where God wanted you to be. So while you're here in the there that God wants you to be, you have some choices to make. If you're not in God's hands, first and foremost for redemption, turn to Christ today. Please consider Christ. Not the church, Christ. If you've already chosen Christ, you have no reason to not rest because God is getting you ready for something. So are ye in mine hand.